0: You're in Seattle, Seattle And you need to buy yourself a home We'll be right there don't go anywhere unless you want to it's the ron and don show starring ron and don and sometimes me at ronanddon.com hey you guys what's going on happy 2023 from your boys ron and don and welcome to the first episode of 2023 this is episode 486 and yeah you're listening to ron and don show only on the ron and don radio network and of course Ron, we are sitting here once again in the Les Schwab Studios. What
1: is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, we
0: want to welcome Les Schwab aboard for 2023.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have them on. They've been such a great partner with us, and they do such great work in the community. In fact, our old pal Rachel Bell called me like a week or so ago, and she's like, can you come pick me up? It was right before the ice storm. She's like, I have a slow leak in my tire. And I said, she goes, I need to get it fixed. And I said, sure. She goes, meet me at the Les Schwab and Ballard. And cool. I said, perfect. I know exactly where that is. Yep. And uh, she took her car in there. They fixed her slow flat she was able to survive the ice storm of 2022 yeah. and uh, they've been doing the right thing since 1952
0: yeah also want to thank uh mitch dot loans they're on board for 2023
1: yeah mitch dot loans uh is our mortgage lender that we've worked with for quite a while now and he is working hard to keep up with the changes in the marketplace so a lot of interesting things going on we did a couple deals in q4 with him of 2022 where we were able to get uh, buy downs and all kinds of stuff for our buyers so uh, that was a pretty interesting process. To
0: yeah, continue. we want to thank everyone that's tuned in that has chosen us to be their broadcasters and their friends. But also, in 2022, a lot of you chose us to be your realtors. And of course, uh, Ron and Don Real Estate, yeah, we sponsor this show too, don't we?
1: Absolutely. You can always reach out to me, Ron, at ronandon.com or you can go to the website, ronandon.com.
0: Yeah. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, many of you may have heard, that and I, and I think I can emotionally do this now because Cairo Radio called me the other day and John Curley did a beautiful job of honoring our late colleague, Dory Monson. He was on every day from noon to three. We were on three to seven. Collectively, we became a juggernaut for 13 years in Seattle Radio as we rose to number one together. Uh, shows can't do that alone. They need the support of other audiences and they need the support of other hosts And Dory, who had been at Cairo for decades before we got there, we certainly had his support. So even though our politics was very different, even though we strongly disagreed, we always disagreed with civility and love in our hearts. And Ron and I carried unique and different relationships with Dory Monson since we left the radio station a number of years ago. Before we get out of here, I wrote something that's up on my Facebook page ron wrote something as well i'm don o'neill he's ron upshaw if you like to read those things uh, and we also just sent this out in our newsletter. If you don't have the newsletter, you can get signed up, uh, and we can send this out to you as well as we start 2023. Remembering our colleague and friend, and we'll do more of this before we get out of here. Yeah, today.
1: so you can just go to Ronadon.com. There's a tab for the Nation News. You sign up. We don't spam you. We don't sell the list. You're not going to get uh, followed around like when you go look at a couch, and next thing you know, the couch shows up on every website. We don't do that. It's it's real easy. Uh, there are thousands of people on the list. And so if you'd like to stay in touch with us, uh, just sign up for the nation news, ronadon.com.
0: Yeah. So we'll talk about those tributes. Also, we're going to talk about you, your health and your wealth in 2023. And Ron and I are doing something in the first quarter of 2023 uh, that we're pretty excited about. And we're going to invite some of you to come live with us to sit and learn more about our health and our wealth in 2023. And uh, some of these things we're going to talk about and tackle together. Before we get to that though, let's get to this. This is a podcast where we talk about real estate, but also if you remember us from our Cairo days, we like to talk about things that are in the headlines as well. And as you're listening to this right now, we're recording this on a Thursday The weekend's going to go by, and then this is going to drop on a Monday. So our information on DeMar Hamlin will probably have changed. But if you don't know the DeMar Hamlin story, uh, it's a very important story that people, even outside the culture of the NFL, are talking about right now.
1: Yeah, he's a cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They were playing a Monday night football game uh, in Cincinnati, I believe. First quarter. So regular Monday Night Football, you got the pregame show, uh, the lead up. It's one of the most watched tele- live television shows in America every year. And especially with playoffs right around the corner, a lot of millions of people, millions upon millions of people were watching this game. So in the first quarter, um, it's a routine play, uh, where a cornerback is making a tackle, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And DeMar gets up after the tackle. It didn't, it didn't look particularly, violent or like sometimes you see a hit and it's like someone uh was their their directions absolutely changed and they're hit off their feet or they'd slam their head to the ground like uh the quarterback in miami but it wasn't like that at all it was like it seemed like a relatively standard uh football hit that you would see in the nfl he got up after the the tackle and almost immediately fell to the ground like a rag doll and then within minutes Um, an ambulance is on the field that was, you know, inside the stadium and they're doing CPR and giving oxygen to an NFL player on the field for nine minutes. And that is something that I have never seen. Uh, I guess there was a player that had died. I was listening to, to PTI and there was a player that died on the field, like back in the seventies, But in terms of modern NFL history and modern NFL gear and the modern NFL safety protocols, you rarely, if ever, have seen CPR being given on the field.
0: Yeah, and you remember the hit by Jack Tatum from the Raiders. He took out Daryl Stingley. I think he was playing for the Lions at the time. And Jack Tatum, in his book, never apologized for it, right? Uh, And we knew Jack. And that was very sad to me. But it was a very different time in the NFL. Let's talk about this, though. So is just it, to finish that up, he went yes. to the
1: hospital. He uh, was in intensive care. Uh, I've heard reports from The Washington Post that they had to restart his heart two times.: Yes, uh, that, but he has steadily been improving. The family and the team are not obligated to give us minute-by-minute updates, and so they haven't. And I well, actually: I, Actually, that. the
0: father just spoke to the team, and he said that his son is doing compared to where he was, he used the word "remarkable and that he's doing remarkably better. And what that means, when you're on a ventilator and you're taking someone on and off the ventilator to try to get them breathing on their own again, and a lot of us had learned about this through COVID, right? Someone goes on a ventilator, and then maybe it's three, four weeks later that they pass, or three, four weeks later they can wean them off the elevator. Some people, if you're on that ventilator five, six weeks, uh, it's just too darn long. But he's 24, he's fighting. I think I love this story that on his social media, he was trying to raise $2,500 to buy uh, toys for kids, and people found out about that. The Buffalo Bill Mafia found out about that, and the last time I checked, it was at almost $6 million. I love the Buffalo Bill Mafia. I love the fact that when people were buried in that city, And the Buffalo really reminds me of places like Snohomish County, why I love Pierce County so much, because it's the blue-collar people. It was the Buffalo Mafia during this last snowstorm that went online and said, hey, people are dying in their homes. People are stuck. They're trapped. They need to get to the hospital. They need medicine. So Buffalo Mafia, show up in force and uh, grab your shovels, your snow plows, and let's go. And they did. And it was the Buffalo Mafia, the Buffalo Bills family, Those that that love those Buffalo Bills, and that's what the fans call themselves, in the same way that we call ourselves the Twelves. They call themselves the Mafia. They dug that city out shovel by shovel. Pivoting back to this story, there's a rumor out that the NFL had told the players, hey, you got five minutes to warm up, and we're going to be back out on that field, and it's business as usual. The NFL and Roger Goodell is saying that never happened. Ron, what do you think happened is it's very interesting to see players standing up for themselves and to see fans standing up for the players.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts that I have about this and, and some guilt that I carry about this because this is a version of the same conversation we had uh, when the CTE findings came out several years ago. And the, the underlying question is, are you okay with violence – as entertainment that's really what we're talking about here are we okay as a society and as individuals as violence for entertainment purposes and athletic violence and yes there's beauty in the game uh and yes you know when a wide receiver makes an acrobatic catch uh or a running back makes a spectacular move There, there's sheer athleticism that is jaw-dropping and awe-inspiring but it's different than the nba When, when lebron james does an incredible athletic feat. Um, someone doesn't run across the court and and collide with him and take him out like he's ran into a brick wall most of the time. Most of the time. And so with the NFL, the the, the and it's it, there's there's this underlying danger for things exactly like what just happened. So from the NFL side, Roger Goodell's stated goal this year was to make twenty five billion dollars. Uh, with the NFL properties, $25 billion. When
0: he took over, they made about $9 billion a year. So in his tenure, to go from $9 billion to $25 billion, that is remarkable.
1: Yeah, and that's why he makes $40 million a year plus uh, for compensation. So that that is their incentive. They want to make money. Uh, we just saw a Denver Bronco franchise sell north of four billion dollars uh, for a franchise. Uh, some people have thought the Seahawks could be for sale after Paul Allen's death. That franchise, with you know a Super Bowl victory and a back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, is probably worth four to five billion dollars uh, if if you'd want to sell that. So this is a environment that is all about the money, in a sense. And so when you think of this in terms of what you said, where the players are standing up. And talking about those, I saw an interview with the Kelsey brothers. They do a podcast now. Uh, one is a center. One is a tight end for Kansas city. and One is a center for Philadelphia. It's a really great podcast and they're very funny with each other. Um, they were talking about, Hey, I don't think I could play this upcoming Sunday. If his life was still on the balance, if we didn't have definitive statement from the family saying he's okay, his vitals are back. Um, his life is safe. He's like, I don't think I could strap it on and and suit up to play center on Sunday. Um, and saying that publicly, you wouldn't have heard that 25, 30 years ago. You just you wouldn't, wouldn't. have heard
0: it five years ago. Wouldn't
1: have heard it five That's years a huge ago. Huge step. <laughs> and so now, just to pivot, and I'll close this because part of the players I said to my, you know, I have a little bit of guilt with this. I had to come to terms with in the CTE thing because there are over three hundred players that have CTE right now. I had to come to terms with am I okay with these guys choosing and getting compensated to basically roll the dice on sacrificing their body for my entertainment. And I finally said, yes, I'm if they're okay with it, I'm okay with it. I enjoy watching the game. I enjoy watching the sport. Uh, in the same way that if you do the calculus of like every time I choose to drive my car, there's a slight chance that I could get in an accident that could lead to someone's death. Um, and I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to get on an airplane, even though there's a small chance that something bad could happen when I'm in that airplane. So uh, I said that the amount of entertainment that I get and enjoyment I get from this game that I've watched my entire life is worth it to me. That if every once in a while there's a bad outcome, uh, and I feel badly about that, uh, I, there's part of me that wishes I could disengage from the yeah. game.
0: Why? Why? Why not just say let's take the pads and the helmet off, and if the fans are up for it, uh, the players will be up for it. Just do what they do at the Pro Bowl, basically, uh, or do what they do with the WWE. Just play flag football. Why not? Why not do that?
1: I mean, if they, I would be open to watching, you know, some other variant of football and see if it's as entertaining.
0: Do you watch the Pro Bowl? Uh,
1: I do not watch the Pro Bowl. That's
0: why I got canceled this year because no one watches it. And, and, and yeah, you're fooling yourself. We, we, we want the violence. We like the violence. These are modern day gladiators and we want to see them go out and inflict pain on each other. That's why we tuned in. The, 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 the ratings for the NFL uh during this moment have never been higher have never been higher so it 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 is a violent game it's a violent sport i am so happy that you can be honest about it i still can't even be honest with myself about it like i'm 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 looking at that and just going should we be playing flag football we should would i watch hell no see you on the other side of this Hey you guys, back to the Ron and Don show in a moment I love those guys They <laughs> are amazing Speak about being amazing Do you want to be amazing in 2023? We have a 2023 life-changing event coming up There are 30 people on February 16th It costs nothing There's no flim flam There's no bait and switch But we have raised the bar here we don't want just 30 people showing up that want to meet us because we can meet you some other time. And believe, believe you me, we're not that exciting. Ron, this specifically, we are dialing into our health and we're dialing into our wealth when it comes to building wealth and health through the power of real estate, right?
1: Yeah, so 30 people. And we are going to do a two-hour event here. And I guarantee you, if you really lean into this and you really listen to it, we are going to come up with a custom game plan just for you to acquire that first piece of real estate. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. It might take six months. It might take a year. But if you are ready to go on this journey with us, that's who we want to partner with. So if you're motivated, if this rings true. Go to ronanddon.com slash change. It's limited to 30 people. Ronandon.com
0: slash change. We'll see everybody February 16th. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 486 of the Ron and Don Show. Uh, we had talked about in 2022, at least I had talked about that I am not a person that really makes New Year's resolutions. The reason why is usually we don't tell anyone until maybe we failed. When you don't tell people about your resolution, A lot of times we fail because we're not being accountable, right? So a lot of times when we do things, we do them in a group. We tell others. We get some coaching. We spend some money. We spend some money. A lot of times we have some success. But if we keep it to ourselves, if it's a wish and a prayer and a hope, and we read a couple things and we get inspired and we make this resolution without telling anybody, without spending any money, if something happens when you spend your own money something happens what happens when you don't spend money when you don't tell others when you're not accountable is what happens you fail so so ron resolutions or decisions as we head into 2023 and how you doing on that as we record on a january 5th 2023
1: yeah you know i'm i've always been anti resolution uh and there to me there's nothing magical per se about january 1st there's just not so like you even know we talked about it on the show. I've been fo- health focused, and so I hired a trainer a couple months ago. I'm rereading James Clear's book Atomic Habits right now. Uh, I read it; you recommended it to me years ago, and I read it, and I'm rereading it now. and And the thing that resonated then, and it's a great reminder for me, is when he talks about habits. This concept, I'm I still grapple with it, so I'm not. I'm not like preaching this as like, I've, I've solved this or cracked this code because I haven't, but I, I, this is what I'm trying to do in light of my dad having emergency triple bypass surgery. And in light of Dory that we're going to talk about here uh, in a few minutes, I've said that th- those are two, um, things to me that have really got my attention
0: when dory died of a heart attack Uh,
1: around around health and wellness so what james clear talks about is this concept you can either start from the outside and go in Hmm. go i want to weigh 200 pounds that's my goal that's my resolution here we go and so then you go how do i do that what 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 things do i need to do what is the process for me to go i want to weigh 200 pounds here's what i need to do And then you create this thing, this resolution in January. It says, okay, I'm going to the gym. And so you start off and you make this what you think is your strategy to get there. And then it starts to work or doesn't start to work. And then it fades. And there's all the memes and jokes about how it doesn't work. And then you give up.
0: And a lot of times, to your point, it does start to work. And then we and then we want to go celebrate and treat ourselves because something
1: starting right. to work. And so,
0: <laughs> but we didn't get enough time. James
1: Clear's con- his his thesis is so that you you should not start from the outside in. Hmm. Start from the inside out okay. and say what what things are your identity. So, how so can the, I, the So how could
0: I do it with your example?
1: The difference with this for me, the first time I read his book is I just read it. This time I started reading the book and I got my journal out next to it. And he talks about what is your identity. Hmm. And so, and I had to stop and pause and write this down. So, for instance, the difference I think one big difference between you and I is part of your core identity is that you are, I don't know what the word you would use, you're athletic and you work out. And like this is part of your core identity. You are someone that derives pleasure and satisfaction from physical movement, challenges, uh, activity whatever so that's part of your identity
0: health and health and fitness part of your identity yeah
1: and the same thing i have a friend that's a vegan part of their identity like you don't even think about ever going hey you want a steak like it's just not part of their identity they they do not (laughs) they do not eat they're 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 vegan and that's just that's the way that it is it's not a struggle for them to go
0: oh i really want that steak i do not want that iron in my system and i want very pale white skin right
1: so if I had to go, what is my identity? And so if my identity is, I want to weigh 205 pounds, it's going to fail. Yeah. If my identity That's is, good. yeah, I am someone that is focused on health and well-being. Yeah. And then the part of, and you need to say that over and over again. And James talks about this in his book. He had a friend who ultimately lost 100 pounds, but the way she lost it was saying, this was her mantra. What would a healthy person do? So at every inflection point of her day, and she had to do it like because it wasn't part of her identity yet, it took a long time to become part of her identity, is she would say, would a healthy person take the elevator up three stairs or would a healthy person go up three flights of stairs? Would a healthy person, what would a healthy person eat for breakfast? What would a healthy person eat for lunch? What well, would a healthy person take a cab or would a healthy person walk to my next appointment? That's really good. And so that was her mantra. And she said Excellent. the frustrating thing for her, yep. no one noticed till she lost 60 pounds with the way that she dressed and the way that her body was shaped. No one gave her a high five for 60 pounds. Mm. And so it just had to be part of her identity. That's great. And so I am looking at what what is my identity? What are the negative self talks that I have around myself? And you know, I've done this before in the past where it's like, Oh, man, if you saw me jogging down the side of the road, you like, why is that guy jogging? Or I would, I would have this self deprecating, what I thought was self deprecating humor. But it was really messaging around. That's not part of my identity i'm not really a runner i'm not really a guy that you know compared to don i'm not a fitness guy i don't have big biceps i can't push big weights and so over the years i went from my identity being one that i was an athlete growing up
0: probably a better athlete than me to, to be honest. someone that, naturally that yeah, was a great
1: not an athlete
0: yeah and so oh, i really well, not, you see, your you you would see yourself as a non-athlete. No, I still
1: there's part of me that still sees my like I went skiing uh, on New Year's Day and and like I'm athlete, I'm coordinated, but I'm trying to give myself this uh, mantras and really interrupt my self talk around what is the purpose. The purpose is not necessarily for me to weigh a specific number on the scale. Yeah. The purpose is I need to gain muscle mass. I need to gain flexibility. I want my longevity. I don't want to drop dead of a heart attack in my 60s. I don't want to have triple bypass surgery in my 80s. And so those are what my real goal is. I want to be able to walk 5, 10 miles. I want to be able to travel and go diving. Or if I'm in Rome and I walk 10 miles through downtown Rome, not be needing a cane or not go, oh, I can't go up those stairs because of my fitness level. So that's my real, so I'm, 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 if there is a resolution, my resolution is to guard my identity and to incrementally change my identity, and then the byproduct will be weight loss. Yeah. The byproduct will be increased fitness. Yeah.
0: Coming, coming up, Ron and I are going to do something, and, and we'll tell you more in the next podcast, around health and wealth uh, because your health isn't... Ron's right. It, it, it's not how you score every day when you stand on the scale. And your wealth isn't something... Uh, that you score every day when you look in your bank account. It's really a mind shift and a mindset, and they are very interconnected, our health and our wealth. So we're going to talk about these things publicly, and we're going to have a gathering with some of you, and you're going to come, and we are going to have a great, great time. And we're going to talk about our health, our wealth in 2023, and what are some of the habits that we can stack just like James clear writes about in his book. Cause as one of my mentors, my good friend, Joe Kenny says, it's not about waking up and going on a hundred mile bike ride today. When it comes to your health, it's about waking up and just doing a little something. Maybe it's finally going for that walk. Maybe it's buying a watch where, yeah, science now says that eight to 10,000 steps is good for each and every one of us. Uh, it's about monitoring some of those things and doing a little bit every day. Same with your wealth, right? You don't wake up and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're wealthier. You don't need to work anymore. You start traveling like you always wanted to. It's a cumulative effect as you do small little habits every day like James Clear talks about and then you stack them on top of each other. I always tell people, I dated a girl one time. When I was down in Louisiana where everybody smoked. Beautiful girl. And she's like, hey. But I noticed as women got older down there, their skin just started hanging off the bone. Same with men because a lot of them change smoke. And they go into bars. And even if you don't smoke, the secondhand smoke of New Orleans will kill you, right? And, and, and the country song says, I only smoke when I drink. But in her case, she drank all the time.
1: And I love the restaurants down there where it's like, hey, here's the smoking section and the non-smoking section, and there's a, a half a pony wall in between the restaurant. <laughs> okay, great. I'll sit on the non-smoking side.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. And there really is, especially in our generation, in, in, and I love the younger generation for really rethinking things. When you see a football player collapse on the field, we're not going to sit here and talk about whether we should stop the game or not. The the game is stopped, right? When you talk to young people, you talk to my son. The same, think about Oprah being a part. What does what she struggle with her whole life? Her weight, right? And now she is the spokesperson for weight watchers. I'm going to sit here and watch my weight. My grandma used to call weight watchers, and she died in 96, God rest her soul. She used to call it the fat farm. I'm going to the fat farm, and I'm like, well, what do you do at the fat farm? She said, the first thing you do at the fat farm is you have to weigh in. I hope Oprah rethinks that in 2023, because being a weight watcher, has nothing to do with your health and well-being. We'll see you on the other side of this.
1: Hey, it's Ron and Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here. Is people think, and people have thought for a long time, that twenty percent is the standby. Twenty percent the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars, often for first time home buyers, twenty percent's a lot of money to save, and it is not necessary. You can put three and a half percent down with an FHA loan, five percent down, sometimes even less with a conventional, and. Mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down, and they were going to pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now, that $2,400 feels like a lot, maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is going to grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. Uh, get in touch with him at Mitch.loans. If you're a first-time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down, it's Mitch.loans. All
0: right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, as some of you know, uh, Ron and I used to work at Kyle Radio, and we have a, or we had a colleague there by the name of Dory Monson, who recently passed a heart attack. and In fact, it happened on New Year's Eve at about 8 o'clock. John Curley, who took over Afternoon Drive eventually for us, really did an amazing job of honoring Dory the other day. He just did. Uh, His producer, Jacob, reached out to me, and I had written something, and I have to say, I was feeling so much emotion that I couldn't read it on air, and so John did. Uh, And I cried a lot. I cried pretty hard. If, if I hadn't been through therapy, I don't think I would have done that. I don't think I would have jumped on the air and I don't think I would have, uh, I don't, I don't know that I would have shown that reaction, but I've learned that showing your sadness in times when things are sad, uh, is okay. Like that's okay. Uh, and I didn't always grow up in that house, but I now live in that house. Uh, cause around here, it's okay to show your emotion. It's okay to be sad because when you feel sadness, I don't know if you've ever read the book of joy and the great Dalai Lama said, in order to feel real joy and happiness, we must feel pain and we must feel sorrow. So anyway, Ron and I feel great pain and sorrow, not just for Dory no longer being here with us, but also for his three beautiful daughters and his wife who left behind. And for a lot of you out there that were Dory's listeners and fans. And frankly, some of you that like me disagreed with him. Uh, My friend, Ed Ewing who runs the major Taylor project uh, reached out the other day and had some pretty strong feelings about Dory uh, when he was alive and so he would reach out and we'd chat about those sometimes. But uh, nothing but condolences since Dory has passed. Uh, I thought it was interesting in The Stranger. All they said is that Dory Monson is dead. That is all. And that's the, the way that re- they reported his death, which uh, I thought was interesting. And, uh, and I don't think it says a lot about what that, I don't know. I think it says a lot about that publication. Nonetheless, I've written something I'd like to share with you and Ron has written something as well. It's added in our newsletter. If you'd like our newsletter, you can get signed up at ronanddonsittown.com. We don't sell your information. We don't spam you. We get in touch a couple times a month just so we can stay in touch and flow with each other, either about our real estate journeys, our personal journeys, uh, or our broadcast journeys. So, uh, Ron, do you want to start? Do sure. Want, do you want to read? Yeah, I'll start. Okay.
1: My desk was across from Dory Monson's desk at Cairo for 13 years. Since our show was on right after his show, we had a daily ritual of acknowledging each other while also knowing that each of us was getting ready to do a show. Uh, that was at least 3,250 times wow. that we had some kind of interaction. Wow. It makes me very sad that there will not be another one. I got a message on Facebook from a listener telling me how sorry he was about Dory. At first, I thought it was a hoax. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a meme going around social media the last month where it's usually a young person who pranks their parents by making up a fake death, and they film the reaction, hey, mom, Anderson Cooper just died, or hey, mom, uh, Donald Trump just died. And then they want to spoof them and get their reaction. Oh. And so that's been going around. I've seen that all over social media. Mm-hmm. I was sure I was being pranked. I did a quick search online and found the story on the station's website. It stopped me in my tracks. There are two things that I remember most vividly about Dory when I was writing this. The first is that he absolutely loved to coach his girls at basketball. When Shorecrest won the state championship in 2016 and he was the coach, he absolutely was beaming with pride the entire week. I was so happy for him. We talked many times about individual games and all the extra time he put in to make that a priority. As his show was winding down every day, Dory would stage his stuff at his desk for a quick getaway. He had this duffel bag. <laughs> uh, he would put a. You remember the duffel bag? He had a duffel bag. <laughs> he would put a cold diet coke at the edge of his desk. Yeah. And between the last two segments of his show, he would come out of his show. He'd go into the bathroom. He would take off his work clothes and he'd put on a pair of shorts or sweats yeah. and a t-shirt and a ball cap. And then on the after that last show, he would bolt. But right after, he'd bolt out of the studio. That's right. He'd give me a nod or a, a "see you later." He'd grab his coke and his duffel bag. He would be out into his convertible, and he'd make it to practice yeah. on time. His love for that team and his their, his pride in their accomplishments were a badge of honor for Dory. I'm thinking of how difficult it has to be for all the young women and their families that he impacted in a positive way through coaching. I know both Don and I were impacted by uh, significant coaches in our lives. It was m- about more than wins and losses for Dory. I always admired him for his commitment to the girls at Shorecrest. The other thing that jumps out to me as I remember Dory is that we disagreed about almost everything hmm. that might seem like a strange thing to focus on in this circumstance of remembrance, but hear me out. We disagreed about almost everything and yet we still respected one another. I can't tell you how much I valued that about him. It's easy to write someone off when they have a different view than you do, especially in the Twitter cancellation era. Dory and I never did that. I could see the stack of news stories he read every day, marked up with notes in the margins. He could see the same for me, except that I used a yellow highlighter on my pages. We were each well-informed and tried our best to communicate what we genuinely believed. We just happened to see things differently most of the time. I never took it personally when he enthusiastically disagreed with me, sometimes in person, sometimes on air. And I think he never took it personal when uh, I thought he was out of his mind. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Both of us respected the fact that at least we were willing to get in the arena and mix it up. Yeah. Let the chips fall where they may and be willing to change our minds when presented with compelling arguments that shed new light on our thinking. Hmm. That, is a, that is a rare thing indeed, and that made me respect Dory deeply. <clears throat> this gets me a little choked up reading this. Hmm. When we were let go from Cairo, Dory was one of the first people to call me. And I think one of the only hosts on the air to call me, neither of us really knew what to say, but he wanted to make sure that he spoke to me in person and let me know how he felt. Dory and I weren't best friends. We didn't hang out outside of work. I do think I invited him to my wedding and, and he attended, but we were good friends in the way you can be a good friends with the guy whose desk is three feet away from you for over a decade. Mm. We worked shoulder to shoulder in a very cutthroat profession and we were on the same team. There's a unique bond you developed when you've had a history like that with someone. My heart breaks for his wife and for his girls. I I really can't imagine what they are going through right now. It has to be devastating, especially with the public-facing nature of of what their loved one did. One measure of a life well-lived is did you leave the world a better place for having been there? It's clear to me by that measure that Dory Monson lived a great life, Hmm. and I'm going to miss him.
0: Yeah. That was so well written. And I love that you didn't pretend, like a lot of people do when someone dies, that you were best friends. That's the easy thing to do. And you didn't do that. Uh, it's very powerful, Ron. Who is better at math than Dory Monson?
1: I know one guy, but it's, he's pretty good at it.
0: He could count cards, he could do math in his head. You could throw any math problem at him, any math problem on air, off air. He was a, a savant. He was, he was, he was, inc- he was very incredible. In the 13
1: of- years, there was only one time I caught him in a math error. Oh, really? And we went at it for about half an hour. Yeah. And he finally was like, okay, yeah, I, I see. I made, I made a mistake. And
0: I w- what would you want people to know about, in, in especially our time at, with, with the other hosts at Cairo? Because you had lots of hosts there that had varying views. I know there's hosts there now that, that don't talk to each other. That was never our experience, and specifically with him. Uh, but usually, when we were talking, we were standing in a studio. Maybe he just got done cutting a commercial with Mike, and so then we're going to go in and cut our commercials. And it was it was never around pol- we, It was never around politics, and it was. We got so sick and tired, all of us, of, of the things that we needed to talk about and stay on topic on air that it was a, a breath, breath of fresh air uh, to talk about... Because he, he wondered what... what He always wanted to have a boy, but he had three girls. What's it like to, to uh, raise a boy? And then after hearing that, he's like, ooh, glad I had three girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was always about... It was always about that kind of stuff. We shared the same agent. Uh, it was a lot about I, re, I remember his story about his uh, daughter recently getting married and arriving in Kenmore airplanes and just how stoked he was. He got misty eyed whenever he would, he would talk about them or speak of them. But I would say this, I would say this Dory didn't sleep. He was an insomniac, right? And one of the things that we're learning about health and wealth, you guys, and I've really had to work on this myself, uh, it shouldn't be a badge of courage to not sleep. Uh, I would get emails from him sometimes at four o'clock in the morning and sometimes I could email him back cause I was up too. and a lot of times I wasn't up, uh, a lot of times I should have just laid my head down and, and said, hey, I need to get seven hours here because four and a half is not enough. And he would get up and he would just start working on that show, right? He was forced to take some time off, I understand, from, from Nicole here at the end because if you don't use those days, you lose those days. And I think one of the coolest things that he was able to do before he left Cairo, the, the last thing he said on air with tears in his eyes, and he didn't know that this was going to happen, this this heart attack was 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 not expected. Uh he just with tears in his eyes he talked about how much he loved his audience and he loved his job and he loved what he did. So anyway, this is what I wrote and then uh we'll get out of here uh today. Don't forget you can always uh reach out to us at com. It's on my Facebook page too. Uh since many are asking, yes, I have heard about the passing of my friend and colleague Dory Monson. We all worked together at Cairo Radio, and we shared the same agent, and I am so deeply saddened for his friends and his family. Uh, Dory and I probably shared 200 phone calls over the years. He was one of the first to call and welcome us to Cairo. Uh, Then he invited Ron and I to lunch with a complimentary ride in his convertible, Top Down. And boy, were those burgers uh, good that day, weren't they?
1: Oh, yeah, we had uh, uh, something dip steak
0: dip steak dip yeah anyway and dory paid of course he often called me encouraging to continue our cause radio that was our brand of broadcasting even it was when it was a foreign concept to the format at the time also when we made the decision to no longer take phone calls that was our show that made that decision, and Dory followed suit, right? He's the first host to invite us to crosstalk, which marked the beginning of our two shows dominating Seattle ratings for over 13 years together. And through the years, he also called to welcome me to fatherhood. Uh, hang on real quick, because I just I hit the wrong button and I lost this, so I apologize. Um, one sec. And maybe I got a little teary-eyed too. Anyway, through the years, he also called to welcome me to fatherhood. He called again when my baby sister died. And once again, when we were asked to leave the radio station. Our politics were very different, but we often strongly disagreed. But we talked through these controversies, always from a place of listening, always from a place of civility. But our love for our families and our community was what we always returned to. Uh, That's what we always returned to. And he always returned to in our private conversations, uh, whether it be in the hallway uh, or whether it be on the phone. He loved nothing more than being a dad to his three daughters. He also loved beating the governor in one-on-one basketball. Ron and I were both there. We saw it. And by the way, I scored a basket, and then I also got pummeled in the face by Dave Lyman. Do you remember that oh, with yeah. the basketball? Yeah. I had a big red mark on, you were not the, looking for that pass. on the side of my face for two weeks. And Dory loved to remind what me. What about my
1: open 17-foot jumper? not the but Matt.
0: <laughs> and Dory invited us to play on his team, and we played the governor uh, up in Shoreline. It was a lot of fun. He also recently loved performing his one-man play. Uh, and he wrote this about growing up in the mean streets of Ballard. He also only had eyes for his wife, which I really appreciate when I talk to men in private. It's disgusting to me when married men talk about other women, not Dory. He only had eyes for her. And Dory also loved his Super Bowl ring given to him by the Seahawks after they won the Super Bowl in 2013-2014. Anyway, the mean streets of Ballard will never be the same. I last heard from Dory one week ago when he wished me a Merry Christmas and he asked me about my dog and son like he always did. He also reached out to Ron and I on a text message and he wanted us to know that some kind words had just been spoken about us on Cairo concerning our years of philanthropy for kids. He wanted us to know that. He was always checking in with me. He always encouraged me and he always did it with great kindness. That is how I will always remember him. And now, It's a short life, everyone. It's a brand new year. And knowing Dory, he wouldn't want us to squander it. And Dory, I know I'll see you soon. Coaching girls basketball in the sky. But Ron and myself, goodbye, Dory Monson. And we'll see you guys next time right here on the Ron and Don Radio Network.